Welcome to Your Divorce Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified divorce coach, event expert, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that with a powerful planning partner, you will heal the heartbreak and move forward faster. Without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a great guest for you today in this series of the Divorce Diaries. We're going to be telling Kara's story today. And Kara is actually a former divorce lawyer turned divorce coach, as well as a divorce survivor. She helps clients at all stages of divorce, processing the initial decision, preparing to take the leap, supporting during the case, and creating magic with their post-divorce blank slate. Kara is no stranger to making huge life changes, both personal and professional, and she helps her clients face their fears and embrace the fact that there is more than one day to live your life. Welcome to the show, Kara. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It is great to have another divorce coach on the podcast. I love it when I meet people who are in the stream that I'm in really supporting and holding up these folks as they navigate this transition in their life. And you have this beautiful background of lawyer stuff behind you as well, which I wish that I could have gone into it with that kind of knowledge. But this series is all about really, my intention is to host real conversations with women who have been through the heartbreak of divorce and who have spent time really healing through it and creating their comeback. So it's really a lot of hope, inspiration, tips, and truth to help others know that they're not alone on this journey, their feelings are valid, and there's so much more in this next chapter if we choose to do the healing work. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about these things specifically in your own experience. It means a lot. And feel free to share any golden nuggets from your coaching and lawyer perspective along the way. So let's just get into it. If you want to go ahead and share as little or as much as your own personal divorce story, We'll start there. So I am a perfect walking example of doing all of the things that you're supposed to do in life to be happy. Mm. I I did them to the T. You know, I I didn't really stray from from the path. I grew up in a very small town in Ohio, and if, where I come from, people tend to get married at. A fairly young age, mid early twenties, mid twenties, yeah, at the yeah. latest, and get married, buy the house, have the kids, work the job, retire. End of story. Yep, and that's a beautiful, amazing life to live. And it's not for everybody, <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to acknowledge and learn and accept that about yourself until you're actually away from that environment. Mm. So I to marry the best of both worlds. I was trying to fulfill my desires of living in a city and living a more urban lifestyle and kind of doing something different for my career. And on the other hand, still trying to balance all of the traditions and values that I witnessed growing up. And what got lost in the midst of all of that was me, my my spirit, my soul, my purpose for being here. I was definitely just checking off the boxes of what you're supposed to do in life. And it got to the point where I had checked off pretty much all of those except having kids. And then the kids discussion came around and I felt my body just 
react in a very profound way that was basically saying, no, don't. <laughs> and was I was that the first time you had felt that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think because it was such a visceral reaction. And up until that point, I hadn't really checked in with myself to make sure that I actually wanted to be doing all of these things. And, and a part of me did want to do them. I think a bigger part of me just wasn't being acknowledged or heard about how to go about doing them. I think I was doing them for the sake of doing them. And because I felt like that's what I was supposed to be doing in order to be happy. And so when I had that visceral gut reaction, I just knew that I couldn't ignore it. And so I finally woke up, so to speak, and woke up to my spirit and started everything that I had curated in my life. I started pulling it apart piece by piece by piece, which was all of the things. It was hard. It was sad. It was scary. It was fun. It was exhilarating and exciting a sense of relief for sure. And I started with my marriage. Now my former spouse is a good person. It was simply a case of meeting in college, not really knowing who we were as people Mm -hmm. and then getting married and then realizing that we were just meant for different paths in life. So thankfully my marriage was safe and okay, but it wasn't bringing me joy. And so I started with that about a week before the lockdown for COVID in March of 2020, gave the news that I wanted to separate and and likely get divorced. And 2020, between the pandemic and the separation and the legal legalities of it all, was quite a ride for me. But I made it. And the silver lining is that while I knew what to do legally, since I was a divorce attorney at the time, I was still getting really stuck up on the emotional side and just really struggling to reconcile the narrative of my life up until that point with what I was doing in real time. And Mm. so there was definitely a disconnect there that created some tension. Mm. Thank you for sharing all of that. So much of your story, what you shared of your story resonates deeply with me, my former spouse, and I also agreed that we were on different paths and met in college. And just there's something to be said for taking your time to know who you are before you get into any relationship, even friendship. And taking those, I love that you said the check-ins of your wants or your desires, I think that that's a huge part that gets overlooked in our humanness of everyday life. Even right now, I mean, those listening, please do a check-in with yourself. Are you just doing things because it's how it's always been done in your family? Are you just doing things because it's what all your friend group around you is doing? Are you just doing things because society has said, hey, your life's going to be filled with joy once you check all the boxes? I mean, that resonates so much with me. And I know probably a lot of people listening to Supposed to Life, right? And um, so thank you for sharing that. I think that will really normalize for a lot of folks out there listening. What kind of things did your brain tell you when you were first going through divorce? You alluded to it a little bit a minute ago, but like what kinds of things would run through your mind just 
trying to understand, like you said, where you were at and then like what life you had lived. Mm, the things running through my mind so much. <laughs> I felt like I, so it was much. like just like a brain swirl, honestly, because I was not only having a personal reckoning with myself, but also with my marriage. And I was the initiator in this situation. And so I felt a lot of guilt about that. And so the thoughts running through my mind were, this is selfish. You're choosing yourself over the marriage. And look how much pain he's in. You're you're the one who's causing this pain. Mm. What's wrong with you that you just can't be happy? This is a perfectly good, fine human being that you've married. And and, you know, of course, we we had our struggles like any other couple does. But theoretically, I could have stayed if, yeah. I, if I if I had wanted to. And so part of me was thinking, what's wrong with you that you can't just adjust your expectations, adjust what you want in life and just settle in to where you are now? Why, why do you why do you have to make this so hard on yourself? Basically. Yeah. Ooh, that's really powerful. And I asked that question because I know that there are people listening who are literally saying these things to themselves. What would you say, sitting where you're at right now, what would you say to that version of you thinking those things? I would say something that I say to my clients a lot, which is, it's okay to end an okay marriage. Ooh. It's okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, but not only did I give myself a lot of guilt, grief, shame, embarrassment, but I heard things from people that I wasn't close to and and some folks that I was closer to of you know, things like, did you try hard enough? Did you go to church? Did you, you know, lots of suggestions rather than just, it's okay to make the choice that you needed to make for yourself to be happy. Mm, Right. And it's, yes. And I think people on the outside, they just want to try to fix the situation and it's a natural tendency Yep, because they're not quite sure what else to do. They they don't know that it's okay to accept somebody's decision (laughs) that sometimes that's the decision that needs to be made. Even if the outside looking in seems different to that person. You talked a little bit about visceral intelligence of that deep sense of knowingness that it's time for me to do something different. It's time for me to end this. It's time for me to choose choose another path. And I think so often that gets overlooked for a long time. And then once it really settles in and we can't, I call it the nudge, like that like elbow to the side that kind of it's kind of like a little poke or a tickle at first. And you're like, what's that? I don't know what that is. And we're just, you know, and then all of a sudden it, it is unavoidable. It It is so like rib crushing. You must do this. And it's unexplainable to the strategic brain, to the mind. It's mm-hmm. just something that your body has to tell you and that you have to be willing to listen and then take action on because you know at your core I can't explain it to anybody. He's a great guy. You know, we had a lot of great times together. 
nobody did anything. It's just like, it's not it for me. It's not it for me anymore. And that's really hard for people to accept. So I love that it's okay to end an okay marriage. That is a beautiful mantra. Beautiful. Thank you. At the early stages of divorce, what are some of the things you wish you would have known how to like be connected to things or like, was there anything that came up? You said it was kind of a rough, you were a divorce lawyer, but it was like maybe more than what you had expected. So what do you wish you would have known how to? I wish I would have had a a better foundation for connecting with my body. Mm. I don't think that really came along until about a year after my divorce, like in 2021, because during 2020, I was just all in my head (laughs) and my, the thoughts I was thinking were creating very challenging emotions and feelings. And that was kind of impacting how I was showing up. I was, I was nervous to stick up for myself because I knew how ugly divorce could get. I had seen very ugly divorces. I did not want to have one of those myself. And so it was kind of striking this balance between playing nice and being, you know, going after what I really wanted, especially with respect to the timeline of it all. And so I wish I had developed sooner practices to connect back with my body and to bring myself back to the present moment, because so often I would just my brain would just be spinning about all of the things I needed to do and and worst case scenarios and how do I want to go about doing this and just playing things out and catastrophizing all of the things. And I've since developed a, just so many other tools and exercises where I am, if I'm ever feeling overwhelmed or anxious that I can turn to that are supportive in those moments so that I did not have during my divorce. That's huge. And I too agree that it was maybe not even a year, maybe it was two years after that I understood somatic practices, body-based work, because our body holds the truth. It holds the key to everything. It's those nudges. It's that intuitiveness. And it gets louder and louder the more that we practice it. But we're not taught these things in grade school or high school or college or or any point in life. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is one of the most important reasons to work with a divorce expert or a coach or a mentor or a therapist, if that's your jam, uh, because being able to have the right resource to navigate your emotional landscape, in my opinion, would have helped me have a smoother transition to my next chapter and also expedite the paperwork process, as I'll call it. So there's a lot of different paperwork processes. It's not just, oh, let's both sign this thing that says we don't want to be together anymore. It can be very robust. It can take months. It can take years. And I think what I've heard from so many women after the fact, I don't know if this is true for you, but is that what slows things down is when we don't know how to navigate our emotions. And then that gets tossed into the paperwork process, which is just the law. And there's no, the the law doesn't understand emotions. And so we get frustrated when the law doesn't understand emotions and it makes sense in our minds like, well, this is this and that is that. And how could this person who did that get this? But the law goes, this is the law. And so the body connection is so important because it brings us back to a sense of true self, Mm -hmm. true self neutrality. It doesn't have to mean we're feeling joy off the charts here, right? But it just means that we feel like 
the version of ourselves that is going to make the best communication and decision for our future life. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally. And I think it's very easy to allow the emotions to sweep you away if you're not very intentionally processing them and bringing things back to center, bringing things back to self, which is really the only thing that you have in this world at the end of the day is yourself. (laughs) And so why not pay it the attention it deserves and, and show it the love and kindness that it deserves. And then everything else will flow from there. Yeah. Mm, That's so good. I'm going to ask you a version of that question, just because you do have the legal background. Is there anything that our listeners should know how to get connected to specific resources to make their divorce feel more aligned? Is there anything that you would recommend, you know, with your legal background? Because I know there's so many options out there. I didn't even know this until long after I got divorced because I didn't have kids and things like that. But so there are many different options and it's, it's all about what I like to call design your divorce. So before you make any moves or decisions, reflect and ask yourself, how do I ideally want this process to go? What, how do I want to feel? How do I want it to look? How long do I want it to take? And get really clear on those goals because that's going to help you determine which path you want to go down. So whether you go the route where you just negotiate directly with your spouse, if you want to get an attorney, but go through mediation, which is a little bit more amicable way to do the process. Or if you feel like your spouse is not somebody who is going to be able or willing to be amicable and agree upon things, then litigation might be the route you have to take. But so many people think, They just have to, you know, hire an attorney immediately or file a case immediately. And that's not necessarily true. You want to gather all of the information, consult with several attorneys and pick their brains about what's your experience in litigation, what's your experience in mediation. And then you'll be able to connect with somebody who is aligned with the path that you've already decided that you want to go down Mm. as opposed to hiring an attorney, and then deciding what path you want to go down. That is huge. I I feel like what we the two things we just covered, which is body-based connection, kind of coming back to that aligned space versus going, I need a lawyer up. I need to get ahead of the game. I need to figure it out. And then what happens is I feel like a lot of times you get guided towards decisions that are not uniquely, authentically yours. They are what your lawyer thinks needs to get done to expedite the process because they're there to, again, get you through the paperwork, get you through the law as quickly as possible, you know, but there's a whole other element to it. And I love what you said, design your divorce. That is, that is epic. Thank you for sharing that. What about like things that maybe your friends and family would say or ask? Did you have any sort of that kind of a thing in the mix? A little bit, yes. I think a lot of it was self-imposed. I think I was so worried about what my friends and especially my family would think about this decision. And because of that, I internalized a lot of it. So I had that visceral gut reaction we talked about 
three months before I actually communicated that to my spouse. Mm. And I internalized it because I was so afraid of what other people would think, or I was afraid of disappointing people. I was such, such like I had the, such this perfect persona that I didn't know how to go about shattering that. And so I did, I internalized a lot. And then when I did finally share it with family and friends, they were all supportive, but a little taken aback because I had not communicated any of this to them. I had not communicated I was struggling or that I was considering divorce. And so it kind of came out of left field for all of them. Thankfully, they were all very supportive. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of questions around, you know, are you sure? And have you thought about this? And, but my family and friends also know me very well in that when I make a decision, there's no, I I've decided by the time I'm communicating it to you, it's because I've already done all of the processing and I'm actually ready to move forward. And so they kind of knew from their perspective that I, I had decided and they were just there to support me. That's so good. That's really good. And and it is normal to ask and have questions. I think also a lot of times our family and friends really don't know how to go about talking to us when we're going through it. And then once they realize that it this is happening, for me, it was like I kind of closed off because I was afraid that they were going to hurt in the process too. And so mm-hmm. my brain was saying things like, don't show anybody that you're how how bad you feel because they already feel bad. They feel bad for me. They feel bad for him. They feel bad for them. Like they're losing this person in their life too, who who in my case, they really liked him. Mm-hmm. So it just, I, I felt like I needed to retreat. And I agree with you that in that case, it made it kind of different for my family to kind of react because they weren't even really sure like is, is she okay with that like is she sad it's like what's right. going on <laughs> <laughs> yes and I think for people who I'll speak for myself I'm definitely used to be a very big people pleaser I still have some of those tendencies where I just don't it makes me so uncomfortable to make other people uncomfortable And I'm very conflict avoidant, which the irony is not lost on me that I became a divorce attorney and then discovered I don't like conflict. But, um, (laughs) but I just, I hate disappointing people. I hate having them be sad or worried or upset. And so that definitely weighed a lot on me in my discussions with them. I I did find that once I opened up, they were able to handle it and they were able to support me. And so I'm glad that I did eventually do that. Yeah, I think sometimes our loved ones, now don't get me wrong, there were people in my process that didn't deserve to know the information and at the level that I was experiencing it, they just didn't. But for those who did, I think sometimes they just need guidance. Like, Mm -hmm. it's okay for you to not say anything. I just need you to listen. I just need you to come sit on the couch with me. I just need you to give me two days and then call me again. Or mm-hmm. I just need you to text me every night at seven o'clock and make sure I'm I'm not drinking the whole bottle of wine. You know, like I think our people who deserve to hear and feel with us, they don't know what to say or how to be. And so we can give ourselves permission to communicate what that looks like for us. I think that's really important. Mm. 
what are some of the things that divorce maybe taught you or showed you or revealed to you? Oh boy. Um, I know that's a loaded question for those of us who have done a lot of the work, especially if it's been a while, but (laughs) yeah, I think it taught me the importance of, of listening to your gut and you're right. That's not something that we are taught. It's not something that is really stressed to us when we are growing up. In fact, quite the opposite is usually stressed to us and modeled to us growing up that our brain should be the one doing all of the decision-making. And the brain is a beautiful part of the human experience, but it's not the only part. And I have found that anytime I've made a decision based on my gut, whether it was to end my marriage or to start my own business and leave my law firm job, all of those big life decisions were based on gut feelings. And it just goes to show you that you you can trust your gut despite maybe what you've been taught or told. So that's probably been the biggest takeaway. And then another big takeaway is that you can't make everybody like you. Not everybody's going to like you. (laughs) And that was hard, a hard pill for me to swallow. I had to accept that my former spouse was angry with me or, or sad because of what I did or just generally unhappy because of me um, and my actions and my choices. And so just accepting that just because somebody doesn't agree with what you're doing, doesn't mean that you're doing the wrong thing. That's huge. I have a saying that I use that what's good for me doesn't always feel good. Because the visceral body cues for me, I don't know about you. I'd love to hear your perspective. They fluctuate. And so part of the practice is knowing what a a yes feels like in my body, what a no feels like in my body. When I think it's my body and it's actually my brain, that's usually when I know that's happening because there's negotiation. And mm-hmm. so there's a solid yes, there's a solid no, or it's a it's it's a not right now. My brain's trying to figure it out too much. I'm not inside. But what I realized is that what's good for me didn't always it didn't always feel good inside. It just was a knowing. It it, it sometimes felt like a jab. It it didn't sometimes it felt really light and sparkly and fuzzy inside. And sometimes it felt warm and sometimes it felt cool. And sometimes it was in the lower part of my body and sometimes it was in the upper part of my body. But inevitably, as we practice the visceral knowing inside of our bodies, that becomes such a pivotal part of being a human. Mm. What's it like for you? I would say, yes, it's it's very similar in that it's almost like my higher self is speaking to me in those moments. So for a couple of examples when i had my first gut reaction that i wanted to get divorced it was in response to a topic the topic around kids and and inside i just heard this resounding no mm. and it didn't make sense logically for my brain because i was like wait brain like my my life plan is right over here that's next on the list like there's another box <laughs> yeah we got to do this so That was the first time. And then a few months later, before I had vocalized this decision, I just woke up one morning and just felt this knowing that was just like, do it today. Just do it. And I woke up and it was basically the first thing I did that day. And so it's like you said, there's really no 
negotiation going on. It's very clear cut. Yes, no, not yet. And it's, you can't really explain it to anybody. It's, it's all occurring within you. Mm -hmm. Mm. As I went through my divorce, I did have people and experiences that I would say in that time, they changed my life or creative mat created massive impact as I was navigating that. Probably over the course of about three years span, there there are standout things, people, programs, experiences. Did you have any of those that really impacted or changed or your life in a in a strong way? Yes. Honestly, COVID. <laughs> wow. Yeah. COVID. Because even though I voiced my decision to my former spouse. And then a week later we had the lockdown. I feel like it would have been very easy for me to be like, well, now's not the right time because the world's a dumpster fire. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just stay here where we're safe. And I'm sure I'll feel better once this is all over. Um, (laughs) So that, that would have been very easy. And that's, that's what I had done in the past was do that negotiation in my mind. And that inner knowing was just like, just keep going. Like, yes, this is hard, but keep going. And I think COVID really forced me because everything was so quiet and we couldn't go out. We couldn't see each other. We were very much with ourselves. And that amount of time with myself forced me to really get clear on who I am and what I want. And I think it made the physical separation process that much more impactful because I was forced to be alone. I couldn't travel. I couldn't see friends or family, not really, especially in the beginning few months there. And I had just such a degree of separation of just being cut off from the world, cut off from my spouse. And I had nobody but myself throughout all of that. I mean, of course, people are a phone call away, but it's just, it's a different type of isolation. And for me, I needed that isolation personally based on where I was at that point in my life, just to really face myself and some of the decisions I'd made. Mm. It's, I'm so glad that you said that because for you, it was forced isolation that you needed. For me, it was chosen isolation. And quite honestly, a bit, quite a bit of that wasn't healthy for me. But much of that, I, I would say like the isolating, self-isolating part, the chosen self-isolation was not healthy. But the alone time healing was necessary. And it wasn't until I chose alone time over isolation. You know, when I had people calling and saying, we're going to come over or we're going to take you out or we're going to do this thing. And I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm busy making excuses to not mm-hmm. be social and things like that versus, and that's, I think, where, where you can know the difference. If you have to make the excuse instead of saying, permit, I need to permission myself tonight. Like I need, I need some time alone tonight. When you can say that to your friends and your family and your coworkers and just go, you know what? There's a lot right now. And I know that I need to be with myself because that's the only way that I'm going to learn more about myself and really feel it all. 
that is different than hungering down with the ice cream and the wine under a blanket, Mm -hmm. crying yourself to sleep every night and hoping that it will just change itself. So I love that you were forced to do alone time. And because everybody else in the world was doing forced alone time, (laughs) you had to sit with yourself and learn (laughs) about yourself. That's fascinating. Yes, because... And and this is something I still have to monitor these days, but I'm very good at staying busy when something's wrong or something's bothering me. And I've learned over time how that's that doesn't work <laughs> in the long run. But back then, that's what I did. I threw myself into work. You know, my highest performing years at my job were the years that I was the least happy in my marriage because I was just throwing myself into anything that was going to distract me. And so not really having the ability to do that anymore did, like I said, force me to really confront some of the decisions I had made. And I found opportunities to also choose alone time as well. You know, it was that first holiday season and my my parents were inviting me to go home. And I said, you know what? I really just, I want to be by myself this holiday season. I know it sounds like the antithesis of what I need, but please trust me, (laughs) I need this. I need to be alone this time. And thankfully they were supportive of that, even though it's not necessarily what they wanted. Yeah. I I love that you could trust yourself knowing on that. It wasn't an isolation thing. It was actually a choice to to feel what that was going to feel like in Mm -hmm. that holiday season, because it's a toughie. It's a toughie, no matter if you're with people or or navigating uh, solo. I call the busy Betty that you describe. <laughs> I call busy Betty. She's a divorce distractor. And I have a whole cast of characters <laughs> that I tell my clients about because oftentimes we don't realize that these distractors are really just delaying us from our desires mm-hmm. and they're getting us further from the person we want to be in the life we want to live. But they're they're just trying to help us cope and pace out the emotions and the pain that we're trying to process. But um, once we get to that point where we understand that we're doing it and we have this deep awareness, <laughs> we're like, okay, slow down, busy Betty. Like you need to take a beat and not sign up for all the extracurricular things <laughs> <laughs> and like process the anger or the shame or the guilt or the whatever you're going through, like take that. And then you can go back and sign up for the things that light you up. But mm. using it as a distractor is not helping you heal. Correct. So it's, <laughs> I did the same thing. I was, I, I call it workaholic Wendy. So I threw myself into uh, work life and I was like, yeah, yes. What, what anybody else have projects? I would love to do all the projects. <laughs> I would love to travel everywhere around the world. Like whatever you guys need. And and I climbed the corporate ladder very quickly because I just was willing to do all the work. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then it's, it's like anything to not give me anything to occupy my brain so that I don't have to deal with the stuff that I don't want to deal with the scary stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Get the, like, no more feels, no more feels for today. That's too much, you know, and we get scared. Our brain tells us, whoa, you're not going to be able to handle this. You're not going to be able to handle this. So if you guys are hearing that voice in your head, like, whoa, 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 just distract everything because you're not going to be able to handle this. Know that is your brain at work and it's time to slow down and go go work with somebody to get into your body. It will change your life rapidly, mm-hmm. rapidly. Do you have any books that you read or suggest reading either back then or now? 
Yes. So the book that I read right after I sort of had my my epiphany about wanting to get divorced was Untamed by Glennon Doyle. It had just come out right when I made that decision. And I thought it was just the universe's way of saying, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) There are no coincidences. Here you go. You're going to need to hear this. (laughs) Um, And so just hearing how she, she navigated all of her challenges and kind of broke free from all of the things that a woman is supposed to be and is supposed to do in life. Um, that was just very motivating to me. It was almost like lit a fire under me. Like, yeah, you can be a, a goddamn cheetah too. You know, like she talks about in her book and I was yeah. like, you can do this. So that really lit a fire under me. And then another book that I read post-divorce, but that really validated and helped me understand a lot of the things I went through in my marriage was This Is How Your Marriage Ends. Ooh. It's by Matthew Frey. And so it's told from the perspective of, of a straight male and a lot of the behaviors and interactions that occurred in his marriage are things that resonated deeply with me and, and showed me, oh, I'm not quote crazy, unquote, like this stuff was actually happening and this stuff can slowly chip away at trust and intimacy and cause the marriage to end up where, where it does. And so it was just very enlightening and it was just a, a source of validation for me. And it's just kind of the epitome of the example of like the okay marriage and, and ending the okay marriage. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I always recommend that one too. Ooh, good ones. I haven't heard of the second one, so I'll have to check that one out. I'm always, even though I'm far past it, I think it's, I really think it's fascinating in hindsight to collect all the different perspectives of what people move through and navigate during this tough time. So um, I get a lot, a lot, a lot of women that have trust issues. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody who's like, how do you learn how to trust again? Yourself Mm -hmm. and or others? I think self-trust, again, goes back to that somatic connection to your body. That's where the trust is. Because your brain, while it's very smart and very capable, is not, the brain is always in protection mode. And so it's trying to course correct when there's not necessarily something to correct all of the time. So the self-trust comes from within and it is, it's easier said than done. It takes a lot of work um, because we've been just using, relying on our brains for so long that we it's hard to to break that and and to pivot a little bit. So I think self-trust comes from the body and looking back on past decisions that you've made that have worked out and knowing that you can trust yourself. Trusting others, I think, comes back to communication. I mean, communicating to somebody else, what are your buttons? What are your, what are the things that really get under your skin? What are your values? What are the things that light you up? Because the more that you know a person, the more you can live your life and conduct yourself in a way that is aligned with that person. And I think, you know, feeling trust with another person is all about being heard. And if you're, if you're in a situation where somebody is trying to 
somebody hears your perspective and then tries to explain it away or tell you, no, well, it's really just this, and you're not feeling truly heard, I think that's where the trust starts to chip away because you feel like you don't feel validated by that person. Your experience doesn't feel validated by that person. And even if the other person doesn't necessarily agree with your perspective, doesn't mean that they can't validate your perspective. So there's a difference between the two. Mm. And the trust and, other, and another person comes from that validation that they do see you, they do hear you. That is really, really beautiful. Thank you for that. That's very, very helpful. I wrote down, use your body more than your brain. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, like yeah. get, back to the, get back to the body. Is there anything that you would tell people not to do going through the divorce journey? Mm. Don't try to control the other person. Ooh, that was a good one. <laughs> don't try to, don't try to control anything that's outside of your control. Don't even waste your time or your energy because you're just going to get frustrated and upset. And then it's going to take away from the things that are within your control that you can actually be very powerful about. So divorce, you know, moves as quickly as the slowest person is something that was drilled into my head as an attorney from very early in my career. And so you've, you've got to be patient, trust the process, and don't try to rush the other person. Don't try to control what they're doing because the emotions are already so ramped up that it's it's going to backfire. So stay in your lane, do what you need to do for yourself and focus on the things that you can control. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. Because in reality, the only thing that we can control is how we feel or how we respond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, <pretty much> it. <laughs> that's it. And yet... We (laughs) can try to control all of it and we just can't. And nobody likes to be controlled. So that just adds layers, fuels the fire of that like defensiveness. And Mm -hmm. when somebody's already decided that they're not going to be on your team anymore, it just that piece of trying to control what they're going to get, how they're going to talk, what they're going to do is just going to fuel that part of the fire that's just so unhealthy. Correct. Um. To somebody who's feeling like they're in what I call the divorce ditch Mm -hmm. or the sad spiral. Like I have so many clients who say, when am I going to stop crying? (laughs) I just am done crying, but they, it won't stop. Like my brain wants it to stop, but I can't stop. What are just a few things that you could suggest that maybe they start doing today? This is such a good question because I remember having this exact conversation with my mom at one point where I think I said something along the lines of, I'm just sick of being sad. When am I going to feel better? Like I've been feeling sad for months. Like when's it going to be over? And it makes sense that people would feel that way because they're challenging emotions and you know what it's like to not feel that way and you want to feel the opposite. So I would say... First things first, do not try to rush the process. I know it feels like it's taking forever. And the grand scheme of things, life is very long. And if you are ending a relationship that has been on going on, ongoing for five years, 10 years, 20 years, you cannot expect to be over it within one month. It's just not going to happen. And I think as soon as we accept, that 
grief over the end of a marriage is not, it's not like the flu. It's not going to go away in a couple of weeks. It's personally not to scare anybody. I will always carry a little bit of grief with me over the end of my marriage because it's a huge part of my life. It's a huge part of my identity that that was a formative relationship. And so I would hope I would still feel something about everything that happened because it's made me who I am today. You know, I would, I would compare it, although not exactly comparable, but it's on a similar wavelength of losing a parent or losing somebody very close to your life. You know, it's your life is forever changed. And so it's not about making the grief go away. It's about learning how to live with the grief in your life and Mm. to focus on the other aspects of your life in addition to the grief, because that's the human experience. Ah, ooh, that hit deep. I call that growing with grief. Like Mm -hmm. you got to grow with it. We can't just like shove it off or hope that it passes. We can't rush it, but we also can't like wait it out. Um, That's one thing that I did. I was like, I'll just wait it out. It's going to like rub off, right? Like I'll take enough showers. It will rub off, right? It's it's not going to (laughs) stick with me forever. And if I'm being totally honest, because I think that it's really important, this is really important what you just said, is that last night I was driving home from dinner with a friend and I'm nine years post-divorce, nine. And I've done a crap ton of healing and I'm a divorce coach and I have a loving, loving partner who I love and live with. And my life is so full of everything that I have wanted to create for a really long time. And last night driving home, I heard Adele from hello from the other side. And I just started crying, Kara. I just (laughs) for some reason. And I and I linked and I knew that I was crying. I was grieving my uh former husband. I was grieving, I was grieving him. And I just went, oh my gosh, it's so strange. And then you know what? But I've gotten so good at just feeling what I'm feeling in the moment that I cried for that song and I sang that song and I ugly cried (laughs) and all the things. And I felt Adele like through, through my car, like just driving home. And then when I pulled in, the song was over and the tears were done and I felt lighter. And I don't, I don't feel guilty about having these moments. It's not really a missing or a yearning or a this or a that. It's really just this reflection of there was this part of me that no longer exists and it never will. And to feel that in real time, every time that we feel it and know that it's okay and perfectly acceptable to do that, I think is really important. So I hope that helps somebody today. Yes, it is really so important. And, you know, I'm not quite as far out from mine as as you are, but I was a couple years out from mine when I found out that my ex had gotten engaged to somebody else. And similar to you, I'm with my current partner now who is amazing, lovely, and is is my partner. You know, I'm very happy. And I was just sobbing. And God bless him because he was there for me. And that's how you know that you made the right decision because you're you're with somebody who's able to support you and hold you through grieving another person. And so it's just it's just a testament to him and to the divorce process and the profound impact that it has on you. 
That's huge to also be so secure with yourself that when you're with your partner and they need to talk about something that's from their past, they don't feel like they have to go question it. They just go, get in here. You know, and that's to me also, that's a testament to the work that you've done, that you have attracted someone that is exactly what you need in those moments. And it's just a beautiful testament to who you are and all that good juicy stuff. (laughs) What is one or what did your newly divorced self need to hear most? Maybe you said it earlier. It's okay to end an okay marriage. Is there anything else? What did she need to hear most? I think she needed to hear that there's no prescription or or list or checklist or plan to live your life that mm-hmm. all you have is is the present moment and to live in the present moment and everything else will flow from there. So good. <laughs> I know our listeners are going to want more of you in their life. So where can they find you? What do you have going on? What do you want to share with us? Of course. So I, yes, I work with my clients one-on-one. I have an eight-week program designed for each kind of stage of the divorce process that I personally went through and that I've seen many of my clients go through. Um, So that's how you work with me on the coaching side. And they can get in touch with me at my website. It's carafrancescoaching.com. And my Instagram is carafrancescoaching. So you can go through either of those routes, set up a free intro call with me, and we can chat. I love that. You guys, make sure you check it out. Follow Kara. Get more of her in your life. She is an amazing resource, wealth of knowledge, and beautiful, beautiful human. I always ask my Yes, two closing questions, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. The first one is, what is one thing that you love about you? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I love my perseverance, my ability to, to keep moving forward, even when I'm in a challenging situation. I allow myself to have, you know, the little, the little freak out of, holy shit, what am I going to do? And then I just keep on going. I don't like to feel stuck. And so I would say my perseverance is something that I love about myself. That's a great quality to love about you. And then (laughs) the last question is, what does joy feel like in your body? Oh, joy feels like taking a walk outside on a beautiful day with nothing to do, no plans, no obligations, and just breathing in and just sighing and realizing I'm here. I can visualize myself doing that. That's why I took a deep breath. That was so good. (laughs) Well, Kara, thank you so much for bringing your expertise, your energy, your light, your love, all of your gifts uh, to be with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. And to all of you listening, remember you are safe, you are loved, you are enough. Go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would, take a quick screenshot and share it now. 
or leave a five-star review so this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting. Drop me a DM at Your Divorce Planner or go to yourdivorceplannerhub.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to dive into your desires and understand how partnering with Your Divorce Planner will be a game changer for your next chapter. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Take care.